Hi, this is the Tempter Podcast, where we discuss embedded Linux, IoT development, and anything else we find interesting. Your hosts are Kim Raj and Cliff Brake. Hi, Kim. How are you today? Hi, Cliff. I'm doing very well, um, and thank you um, for uh, you know um, arranging this talk today. So I, yeah. I'm hoping you'll have fun. Okay. So yeah, today we're going to talk about the uh, Yo distribution updater and all the neat stuff Kim has done recently with it. So yeah, um, let's see. Maybe to get started, you know, you could just kind of share what an updater is, and 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 maybe we could go through some of the options you looked at. Yes. Um, so I think, as we know, we have uh, you know connected devices more and more. Um, it's very important nowadays um, that you have a mechanism to uh, update the device firmware or part of the device or some way uh, to modify the device. And as we've seen in the past, we have seen a lot of devices that will be flashed once and then shipped. Um, with their products and will never be updated again. And that works fine for a certain class of devices, perhaps, which are not connected and you know they uh, uh, don't have any further um, software components that they would require. But a new class of devices, you know, in uh, in this more connected IoT world, um, has emerged where. Your refrigerator is upgradable, and your vacuum cleaner is upgradable, because the fact is they are running uh, a lot more complex systems uh, in in software than they had in the past. So, if you look at um, in the open source landscape in past five six years, there has been many projects that has gained limelight and and many other. Uh, proprietary uh, solutions uh, that have come uh, and have been uh, doing the rounds uh, in in this so there clearly is a, a, is a uh, is a demand uh, that we need to scale the solutions um, to not only some of the you know connected systems in the past but you know a general solutions that would scale across different kind of devices you know um, uh, a fleet of like you know heterogeneous devices and and so I think uh, there is increased demand for that. So mm -hmm. um, so it's also called OTA, you know, over the air updates or uh, some call it like uh, FOTA. This is firmware over the air, and you know, so there are various terms uh, that are used to refer to um, updating system or maintaining the system in the field and. Um, um, so yeah, so I think that's where I think uh, um, that this is a very important function, uh, you know, that is uh, um, required. In fact, is uh, one of the key pieces for any connected systems nowadays. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And I guess one thing I've observed is these systems are so capable. You you have an embedded Linux system has lots and lots of RAM and flash, and um, the, the fact that you can do so many with do do so many things with these platforms really lends itself to you know we want to deploy new software over time because we want to keep adding features and functionality you know as 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 new 
new needs come up. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's right on. Right. So uh, I think, um, so on this, uh, what you might have seen, you know, in the past few years that there has been uh, uh, a good amount of activity in the software industry, especially in the parent side of the things that, you know, there has been solutions that has been uh, proposed and, and some of them work in one way, some works another way. But if you look at, you know, some of the things that we wanted to consider for your distro was um, we had a certain way to um, re-envision the system uh, to boot and, um, and to update. So uh, we evaluated actually a few solutions, you know, um, in that process. And then, um, you know, they were like, all of them work in uh, slightly different ways trying to achieve similar results. And um, so that's where I think, uh, you know, the interest was because your distro, as you know, we intended to um, to uh, address, uh, you know, uh, certainly IoT market as a, you know, device software uh, builder and infrastructure. So um, you could basically defer it to the user saying that, you know, integrate something that you want or, you know, we could basically take an approach um, that would integrate into the infrastructure at a distro level uh, and and offer that as a solution, yet allow people to plug in if they want to plug in something else, uh, is uh, the approach that we chose for your distro. Yeah, okay. So what, what's, uh, what, what do you feel is, is different about the Yo distribution updater you know, like you said, there's, you know, maybe half a dozen projects out there that, that offer update functionality. And, you know, what, what do we, what, what do you feel we're trying to do differently? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I'll talk about like a few of the things that we looked at and then, um, you know, that'll hopefully help us reason why we are doing what we are doing in this space. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, there are a few solutions out there. We looked at, um, you know, SW Update, which is uh, open source solution. It's um, well integrated into Yocto project slash open embedded or build root and uh, maybe a few others, um, embedded system builders. Um, and uh, and then, you know, there is um, some other solutions, SwapD, which is coming from clear uh, Linux distribution uh, and, uh, you know, there is um, uh, something which is based on binary tree models like, uh, you know, actualizers. And um, so we, we looked at a few of them and uh, we experimented with uh, SW update uh, uh, quite a lot. Uh, and there are a few, you know, commercial solutions also that are available, you know, like Mender, um, or cloud, or the uh, foundries. I think um, you know they they do that uh, at a different level where they are trying to use different technologies to do uh, update mechanisms, right? So some of them they approach it in a way where they want to update. Um, so so they 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 run loads as containers. So you know resin, um, which is now renamed to Belina. For example, you know, tries to run all your services in containers. So you have like a 
very minimum Linux system that does nothing but launches these containers. And then you have a system in place that updates the containers. And you can say, you know, from a service point of view, that is your OTA, right? And then there is this another class of uh, updaters like uh, SW-update, which basically uses, uh, you know, uh, a dual copy um, rootFS systems. So what they do is they have A and B um, scheme. Um, so what they do is uh, they, I mean, they were hooking up into your bootloader and then they would have a mechanism to uh, talk to one of the backends for serving your updates. And then they would be able to get the update and then flash it into the second partition. And then they will have a mechanism where it would switch your bootloader to boot from the second partition. And then they will have some control where they will uh, assert whether the update was successful or not. And if it is not successful, then there is a mechanism to revert back um, to the previous um, model. So um, I think they also support a single copy update. Uh, so single copy update is when you know you have a rescue system, uh, which is basically invoked uh, to update you know your regular uh, root FS. And once it's done, then it switches back to you know bypassing the rescue system. Um, so in a sense, the functionality is very similar. So as we have seen, there are um, these uh, different projects that are out there. And um, so you know looking at these projects, um, you know we were basically deciding what our approach should be. So with this rescue system, do you still, Essentially, have two two operate two uh, two systems on your in your storage. Is that how it ends up falling out? Pretty much, yes. So you know, yeah. you can think of this that you know you have um, it's a smaller root FS and you have right. a bigger root FS. Yeah. Right. So you still have two essentially. Yeah. Yes. Right. So essentially, uh, this is an approach to fit in the dual copy mechanisms into uh, certain systems where you don't have, uh, you know, flash, uh, where you can duplicate the root of us. Right. So, um, basically, some tiny systems where, you know, flash, flash is very important, it's precious, and um, you still want to have, you know, some update mechanism. Right, right. But eventually, I think uh, there are a lot of complications when you um, go and implement the update policy. So real issues lie in there, right? So because there is a full state machine that kicks in and nothing can go wrong. And if something goes wrong, your system is hosed to a point that it can't be recovered. Right. So. Yeah, that's the one thing with update systems. It's only as good as the weakest component because you know this is involved with booting your system. So if it's all not perfect and 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 it all works, you're you're done. So that's yeah. a, a very important distinction. Yeah. So um, so you know there are like things like you are writing the bootloader parameters, and then if something goes wrong during that time, then good luck, right? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, so it might sound that having you know two root FSs is giving you that um, 
peace of mind. But literally, if you look at, there are many failure points uh, that things can go wrong. And, you know, uh, it's been used in several places. I know, you know, where they have like a double copy, but then they, in many cases, end up having four copies because it's a matter of trust because they say, well, now I need to update the first copy and now I... I need to update, you know, your static bootloader or you know kernel assets, and then say, but I can't do that. Therefore, I'll ship two kernels, and then I'll ship mm -hmm. two bootloaders, and right. so you'll have like your, you know, your uh, uh, first uh, disaster recovery system, and then your second disaster recovery system, and you know, on and on. Right. So that also speaks to me that it's it has a failure concern that is not addressed because we are trying to create these layers and layers and layers to address something uh, that is not solved. So, uh, what, what I also looked at uh, when I was looking at, say, uh, S, uh, SW update, and uh, there's another one called uh, Rauk, R-A-U-C, mm -hmm. um, very similar in nature. They offer you like, you know, signing and verification and all that kind of thing, delivery of the, you know, payloads. Um, that's all, all, all well. Um, but I think one of the things that we were looking for is, you know, generally we want to also update our bootloader. We want to update our kernel and we want to update our rootfs. Uh, in many cases, you know, you would want to do that. Uh, and um, you may choose not to do it, but uh, we don't want to limit an updater to not do it. Right, right. And so these uh, solutions were limiting you, you know, from doing that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think we tried to kind of fit it in into your distro for a while. We got it working on Raspberry Pi, and it felt like we were trying to fit a um, a round a, a square thing into a round hole. So, right, right. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Because you know that desire for us to have a way to update our bootloader and our kernel assets was coming in the way, right? And um, so anyway, our uh, simple idea for us to update uh, the bootloader, uh, uh, sorry, the system was that we want to upload the assets in a simple way, and then we want to have a single mechanism that we can scale across different devices. And we can have um, a, a mechanism, a flexibility, so to speak, to update all these assets. So here comes, you know, the Yo updater. Basically, that is our um, good old tested and tried updater. Um, and we reverted back to using that and making uh, it more or less um, portable across multiple machines. And so I think one of the interests that I had is that, hey, can we make it more generic where we can basically with little effort port it from, you know, one device to another. And uh, so I think what I have here is a is a BeagleBone Black. I have a Odroid C4 and I have a, um, a microchip uh, SAM5 D27. And I have a Raspberry Pi 3 and 4. And I said, you know, let's see, you know, how long will it take me to port? Um, 
And um, so we started with this uh, port essentially on, you know, uh, Raspberry Pi 3. Uh, but one of the things that, you know, for example, um, BeagleBone Black is EMMC based. So we also wanted to make sure that it's not limited to just doing SD card updates, but, you know, it could update any mass storage media that we use for our system. So I'll just describe what the updater is. And then I think, you know, mm -hmm. we'll basically uh, talk about the porting. So our updater is very simple. It is basically an initRAMFS-based uh, uh, system. Uh, our main kernel actually is a kernel plus initRAMFS. So we use, uh, you can say that we use kernel as our updater mm -hmm. at this point. So when you install a EO image, so what we did is we created additional images. One of them is called Yo Installer Image, which is basically you know a, a factory install image, so to speak. So you would build the Yo Installer Image, and it creates a flashable SD card image or whatever you use, like USB stick or what have you. Uh, and then you can flash it in. And then once you have that as uh, that uh, USB stick. Either you can stick in your update, your real rootfs update into that same USB stick, into the rootfs, into the boot partition, or you could have it uh, mounted through a USB. Um, say your board does have USB uh, port, and so our initramfs system is very very small. It's primarily BusyBox and you know a few other utilities and nothing else, mm -hmm. and you know, the size is somewhere around 2 meg or 2 to 4 meg at max. Uh, and most of it is glibc, really. Um, right. It's just the C library. But uh, if you use muscle, it goes uh, dramatically down to like 1.5 meg or 1.2, something like that. So it's not huge um, in terms of, you know, if people are thinking that, oh, you are including any tramfs into kernel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not a whole lot that's in there. Um, but now what happened is once we have updater support for these machines, they go into our meta yo layer and it will automatically include those updaters uh, into uh, those machines when you're building um, an image. So um, once you have included that image in the, um, uh, in the update mechanisms, you would basically go and um, do something like um, flash your in installer image. And uh, once you have flashed your installer image, you would basically have the updater image included either in the same media or in your USB media. And the uh, updater, actually, I should have called it, it's an installer plus updater. Oh, yes. Right, right. Right. So yeah, that's one of the one of the shortcomings we ran into. We really realized that we also have to make sure the 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 whole machine is in, is in, initialized correctly. It's it's there's more to do than just an update. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So um, so it can act in two modes. One of them is your installer mode, and one of them is your updater mode. And in your you know when you kind of like do your first time boot and install, it will basically set up your um, 
system, you know, to use um, the partitioning scheme that we have for you. And our partitioning scheme is very simple. We have three partitions and we call it like boot, root and data. And boot is essentially, you know, where you will put all your boot assets, your kernel or, you know, device tree and your bootloader, whether it is U-boot or EFI or, you know, other boot uh, loaders, whatever the platform has to support. And then the root is uh, containing your root of us. Uh, partition and you know it could be um, any file system you choose ext4 it could be you know jffs2 or any any uh, file system you, you want to choose depending upon what uh, memory type device you have um, and then there is a data right so data is basically for any persistent storage or assets that you keep for the system doing this so uh, on your first boot, this is what it does: is it basically, uh, you know, creates your 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 boot media into these three partitions, and uh, and then um, then it basically starts using it, and you know, you could uh, um, once your system is provisioned at that point of time, then right now our update mechanism uh, is that you can have a uh, we call it UPD file, and this UPD file is looked um, on boot. Uh, it looks for certain medias. Uh, you know, it looks for if you have anything on USB stick or it's there on uh, on data partition, and and then it has elaborate checksums and everything to make sure that those files are uh, correct, and and then it it applies the update. Um, you know, on on the boot. And, um, and it has the smartness to find out if you are updating a bootloader asset and kernel asset, then it just updates them first and then boots your system and then updates the root of a second time. Uh, this is just to avoid any, uh, uh, any kind of like, you know, cumulative problems that you might have. So you want to make sure that uh, you update them separately. Right. Yeah, that, that's really neat because it actually enables you to change the entire flash layout if you want. You know, you can re do it, use a different partitioning scheme or mm -hmm. um, one thing I've run into several times is over time as you add features, your rootfs grows and eventually it doesn't fit in the partition you originally had designed. So being able to change the partitioning layout on the fly is, is, a, is a really neat feature. So mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, exactly. I think... These are like field issues, you know, that um, you hardly see them like seven years down the line, right, right? Right. And and the devices that we intend to support with these distributions are of you know ten plus years in many cases even longer. Mm -hmm. So you know having this in place at least helps um, you know the end users to think about it and say, well, you know, we are having this support that we can deploy and again. They can choose a different solution, and that's totally fine. Uh, but I think uh, this solution that we have in place, our intention is to make it generic across Yo, um, mm -hmm. and um, and we want to follow this, um, you know, simple partitioning scheme for you know boot root data, even for our development machines. 
because most of the times you know people have raspberry pi and and you know beagle bone black and what have you and uh, it uses this simple sd card images where um, you flash the sd card image and it grows on first boot and then you use it that way but uh, our idea is to kind of you know have that partitioning scheme that eventually you would have in your deployed devices mm-hmm. as well right um, so it irons out a lot of issues, you know, that you will have. Like, say, you choose to do rootfs, uh, read-only rootfs, right? And you want to have certain uh, read-write assets, right? Then uh, you would be uh, putting them in your data partition, right? In, instead of putting in your root partition, or so at least it gives you that opportunity from your design stages to make those right choices, and uh, you know. Don't get all your system, yeah, it's uh, working on Raspberry Pi, and then you say, oops, didn't think about, you know, update, didn't think about this, and mm-hmm. you know, all that thing. So today, um, what we did was uh, we ported on our Raspberry Pi 3, and if you today go and build, um, you know, any Yo image uh, for Raspberry Pi 3, Raspberry Pi 4, Odroid C2, BeagleBone Black, they will have the updater in them, mm-hmm. included by default. And um, and so, yes, it's as simple as, uh, you know, uh, installing it. And as we described earlier, uh, using the installer image, uh, once you provision it, you just kind of like copy your updater image into your data partition and reboot your device. And uh, an update is done uh, on the reboot. Yeah, that's neat because it's it's a solution that handles the manufacturing, provisioning, as well as, as the uh, initial setup and, and, and as well as updates. So if you want to add updater support to a new platform in Yo, how, how does that look or what's, mm-hmm. what's the process for that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we have... Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that um, I wanted to do it on multiple platforms, and exactly the reason was to find out how much we can port it, mm-hmm. or how can we abstract the common pieces app. So, literally, there are two things in there. Uh, one is that we have abstracted all the updater needs into a include file that you know you you just include it um, into the images. And uh, we have abstracted that include to be called with the same name as machine, Hmm. right? So if it is Raspberry Pi 3, then you will call it Raspberry Pi 3.inc or something. And it defines, um, you know, what your assets are, right? So you want to say, these are my device-free assets. These are my, you know, bootloader assets. These are my kernel assets. And this is my root asset. Once you have it, the common logic kicks in, and that basically uses those defines, um, you know, to populate your updater. Um, basically, the platform part of the updater. Mm-hmm. So, so are all four of these platforms using the same common updater code now? Yes. Oh, great. Okay, that's that's neat. Yeah. So, they, as I said, they have a platform file. Mm-hmm. And platform file is where the differences are because you know um, all of these devices they do have differences in terms of you know what they call their bootloader or you know even there are differences between Pi three to Pi four. Right. right. 
So, um, for example, their second reboot loader is called, I think, kernel 7 in Pi 3, and in Pi 4, it is kernel 8. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, even though, like, you know, they are very similar in nature, but there are differences when it comes to, um, you know, the assets you want to update. Yeah. Um, so, we, we should probably explain that our updater is just a shell script. Has Shell worked out pretty good for that, or or do you feel it's it's lacking and could be better served by a, a real programming language, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, um, so we all know Shell, and it's convenient, right? And um, I have... It's a, it's a pain, but it's convenient. It's convenient, <laughs> yeah. So we, we've got to point, and I don't see any limitations, so to speak, right? So we yeah. could implement all our logics, and we have done that. Um, so... And that too using BusyBox shell. So we are not even, even right. using something like Bash or Z shell or some like, you know, fancy uh, other shells. So it's a rudimentary POSIX shell that we can uh, get all our stuff done. But it's a shell in the end, you know, so it's an interpreter. And mm -hmm. um, I think eventually what I would like to see literally is in that this updater is um, you know, is re-implemented in Rust or something like that. Okay. And, and it becomes a single program, literally. With, a, uh, with like a declarative config or something. Yeah. yeah. Something like, you know, you, you have a single program that is statically linked um, and has a, a declarative um, mechanism to define your policy. And it's as simple as, you know, bundling one program into your init run class. Right. So, um, but I think that is uh, definitely on our uh, future roadmap. You know, um, uh, Russ sounds a very interesting approach. Yeah, uh, seems like a good fit. Yeah, so in this case, you know, because we need it statically and, you know, we also want to make sure that we don't inherit all those uh, uh, flaws of, you know, older languages for security and, you know, void right. pointers and all those kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, so we want to kind of like make sure that, um, you know, we can move away, uh, you know, in future. Uh, but right now what we have is pretty good. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Um, one, one thing with shell is, is it's really good at calling programs and handling the, what happens. And that's essentially mostly what an updater is doing. You're running, copy commands, you're mm -hmm. running uh, format commands, partitioning commands. So 99% of it is just simply calling programs. Yeah. And that's that's what Shell does really well, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very well said because um, um, we do exactly, you know, what you described. Most of the time the logic is, um, you know, do this, if not this, do that. And all that are basically checking the returns uh, values of another program being called, um, you know. And one of the things I found pretty neat with BusyBox is that it uses applets. So what that means is it's not really forking and exiting, you know, uh, new programs. Mm -hmm. So it's just the same BusyBox that you have loaded that is being called with different this applets, you know. So we have tried to use as much as possible uh, what BusyBox can give us. And obviously, you know, there are additional like utilities that we need to have for formatting and stuff, um, you know, for uh, dealing with uh, like UBI and other kind of uh, media. But um, 
I think most of like our formatting and all basic needs are filled by BusyBox and it's pretty lightweight and uh, you know yeah it can get a lot of things done right so you know i kind of interrupted you on, on on porting this to a new platform but what all pieces of the system does this touch when you port it to a new platform um it touches two systems one is your image mm -hmm. um and uh, the other it is the updater itself um, because you need to do the platform port. And literally, platform port is like, I think, uh, 10 to 20 lines of shell variables. Okay. It's, it's not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you need to declare those variables, basically. Uh, things like you need to say that, oh, my um, you know, boot device is called EMMC, you know, PLK01, or it's 0 or 1, or you know, which device and things like that. So policies. You mm -hmm. declare them in that platform file, and that's pretty much what you need to do, unless you have a, a separate partitioning magic that you need to do, uh, you know, for certain files. Right. So and there's no no uh, changes to the bootloader or the no. applications needed in the rootfs or anything like that for this no. to work? Yeah. The only change I did have to do in the bootloader was, um, for um, BeagleBone, mm -hmm. uh, BeagleBone Black, was to increase the the size of the kernel um, that it allows. Oh uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So right now, you know, it allowed eight meg, and our kernel was somewhere around eight point two meg. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's just like a one-liner change in the bootloader. Um, but I, I think we probably don't need that anymore because our updater is now small again. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I say I think um, um, it's uh, there are no no significant changes that you will need to do, other than adapting the updater, and making sure that you do the uh, image uh, update. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, uh, we didn't talk about it, but updater is uh, is a step that we perform after we have built an image. So it's a post-processing step that we do. So, right. um, yeah, so so that post-processing step um, would also, is also abstracted uh, in the similar fashion that you do for updater. You define your variables in there. Uh, so you can tell the updater that, um, you know, these are my assets that I want you to create. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, you know, uh, somebody may say, you know, bootloader is a done deal for me. I don't want to update it in the field. Kernel is a done deal for me. I don't want to update it in the field. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. Uh, define that in the in the policy, you know, for your updater image. And it will only include in the updater what you want, right? So say, you know, you are only interested in updating the root FS, no problem, go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So to, to add it to a new platform, all you have to do is really uh, you, you, you use the rootfs tooling we've you've done and then uh, create a small platform file that defines a few variables mm -hmm. and, and boom, you have software update yep. for a platform. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's where it stands right now. But uh, as you might have noticed, um, <laughs> 
it's more or less manual uh, to update right now. Mm-hmm. So um, what I mean by that is that you know you have to like uh, define maybe a service or something that would eventually go and fetch the update. You know all that logic is not there yet, mm-hmm. where you know y- you can go um, and figure out the you know update strategy. Yeah. So, so right now the process to update is you put an update file on a USB disk, you stick it in the in the board, mm-hmm. and boot it. It finds the update on boot, processes it. And so that's that's kind mm-hmm. of the the simplest way to to, to use the updater. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I think it's important to note is is that's a very useful feature as well because as long as your kernel boots, you can recover a. Mm-hmm. A unit if the rootfs got corrupted or or whatever. So yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And uh, second uh, way is that you can copy or download, so to speak, right, the updater into your data partition mm-hmm. on a booted device. Um, that is more or less um, non-interactive, so to speak. Right. Uh, and uh, I think so- we'll build services on top of that where you know it will be more automated, and that's to come. Yeah, so that that process would would download an image, stash it in the data partition, reboot, and then the updater on boot would see that update file in the data partition and 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 run it then. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, um, and uh, and we do also have splash uh, update uh, as well, part of it. Oh, so if you have so a, progress bar, huh? Yeah. So if you have a headed unit where you have a LCD or something connected, you know, you can add progress bar and, you know, you can dump in your own logo or something. So it looks nice and fancy. So what, what program are you using right now for, for the splash screen? I think it is um, um, uh, basically just the splash um, Oh, I forgot. Is that it. is that P splash? I mean, that's yes, what... it's P splash. Okay, so still still P splash. Great. Okay. Yes, it is P splash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was uh, forgetting that name, but yes. So, um, uh, but yeah, I think it is basically you know at that point when you want to get notified of some things that what's going on, you know, you can program those things and yeah. Uh, the neat thing is all that is uh, you know nicely tucked in into the updater. Um, logic in the script and you can you know enhance it if you like right to you know if you want to say add more steps or something like that mm-hmm. that's definitely doable yeah yeah it's it's kind of a neat thing because you can easily add functionality to this as well if you have some custom initialization code you want to run or custom mm-hmm. checks mm-hmm. yeah I, I would say for for system reliability you know, you really want to have full control over, especially your data partition that gets written too often. You know, that's that's the one that's in the greatest risk of being corrupted mm. and and rendered unmountable, which I've hardly ever seen that. I, I've, I'm amazed at how robust these systems are. I, I, I've just rarely ever seen a file system mm-hmm. become corrupted to the point where it's unusable. So it's mm-hmm. we're starting from a pretty solid foundation but yeah if that happens you know i i feel for most systems you really want them to still be able to boot and run even yeah. if you lose your data partition you know it's 
it's one thing to lose all your data, but it's another thing if the system's just bricked and it won't do anything. So, mm -hmm. yeah, totally. I think sometimes these systems are in a uh, location that is like um, not approachable anymore, or you know, without uh, you know a lot of effort. So these are not some um, some servers sitting in a data center and air conditioned environment. So right. You know, so I think it's kind of a, a different uh, scenario, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, certainly your uh, policy changes a little bit in that regard. Yeah. And one thing I found is it's a whole lot easier to do these things in your NetRAMFS mm -hmm. where you have full control over the system than to try to shoehorn that stuff into System D or the Linux mm -hmm. and Net system where you've got multiple things happening at the same time and race conditions yeah for, for stuff this low level where you are initializing the basic file systems on the device it's much easier to do it before you try to boot the system than than why you're booting the system just because of all the dependency problems mm -hmm. i think i totally so. agree i totally agree there i think um, you know keep it simple is uh, really yeah. the mantra, right? And right. I, I think that has been what we've been trying to do with Yo in general, and uh, you know that has been just uh, translated into our updater selection and and design. So uh, I'm pretty happy with it right now. You know, I do um, a lot of open embedded work, upstream work, and mm -hmm. um, earlier, you know, I would pop out a micro SD card and flash it and on my device uh, on on my PC and plug it back in, and now I don't do that anymore. You know, so I. So you're saying even as a developer, it's it's actually a useful feature to, that helps you as a OE developer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it definitely does help. I mean, if you look at it, um, and in one of these days I might do that in at least in my own automation here, where, um, mm -hmm. you know, I do a build, right, and then in the build I would basically you know, secure copy the updater uh, to um, to the device and then knock it off, you know, to reboot mm -hmm. and then uh, wait uh, for it to boot up and then run my tests, you know. Yeah, so you could build that all into your CI yeah. pipeline. and exactly. So, and, you know, use some PCL script or something, you know, some expect or, you know, whatever your favorite mm -hmm. uh, poison is there to design these logics, you know, you can do that. But one of these days I'll definitely do that because right now what I do is uh, a little bit of manual work where I SCP it <laughs> after the build. In fact, that SCP is automated already. So, yeah. okay. so it knows which machine it is and it can map that to a IP address and, you know, it just SCP it is there. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so um, it's, it's very helpful actually, I think. Um, I didn't realize that how much time I was spending, you know, in popping that disk out, pushing that into my USB and oh, hoping yeah. that I didn't wipe one of my own disks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just friction. So anytime we can remove friction, then then it's, it's uh, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, I, I like seeing solutions that, that are just useful in, in all these different contexts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, so, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's really exciting. We've discussed, you know, some automation for deploying updates from from the cloud. You know, we're talking about integrating the simple IoT system to handle 
firmware mm -hmm. with air updates. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that before. So those are some of the things that are, are very exciting that we, we hope to bring online soon. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to, you know, have this uh, uh, implemented in Simple IoT, mm -hmm. um, you know, where we can have the fleet management um, for update. You know, so basically, um, I don't know how that feature is going to look like, so I don't want to define it here. But, um, you know, it's something that uh, we could basically have in Simple IoT, you know, doing the management and maybe there will be a, a Simple IoT backend where you know we can host the assets and um, and it could be uh, you know uh, stepping ev even a bit further um, you know we basically uh, for your releases um, have the release assets for some of these machines made available so somebody doesn't have to build you know uh, they can just take uh, the SD card image flash it right and then bring it online and then it can connect to one of their simple IoT servers, and mm -hmm. um, and fetch the latest update and update the device. You know, right? And we can have such a simple IoT uh, instance for uh, for our developer community and users, um, right? To play with. Yeah. Okay. Well, stay tuned, and hopefully, we'll have some good news on all that in the in the near mm -hmm. future. So, yeah, appreciate you sharing sharing this uh this with us cam and it's really exciting to see this come together so yeah thank you cliff so anyway that's all for today and we'll appreciate you listening and yep thank you and stay blessed <laughs>